Enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. Welcome to Temple of Geek Podcast. I'm Daniel, and this week I got Stacy and the return of Marcus. Welcome, folks. Marcus, welcome. Stacy, welcome. What's up? Howdy. Marcus is so shocked he's not even going to say anything. <laughs> so yeah, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, I, I want to go over basically just kind of what's been going on with the franchise of Star Wars. Um, tonight's episode will be basically what I like to dub the 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 ruination of Star Wars by the fandom. <laughs> it's before, a catchy title. The ruination. It's almost like Transformers. Ruination. Earlier this week, I got to meet with Ari Stidham. He's the producer of a show that's getting ready to come May 4th called uh, Solo Must Die. Let's take a listen to that interview now. I'm here with Ari Stidham. Uh, he's going to be a producer, director, and creator of a new musical comedy that's going to be coming premiering May 4th. Uh, Ari, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I, I, I can't wait to talk Star Wars. I can't wait to talk about the, the musical Solo Must Die. Well, I was getting ready to say that. Solo Must Die, a musical parody. What What is this? What is this all about? Well, uh, where, can, where should I begin? The, the play takes place somewhere between A New Hope and Empire, and it follows a fictionalized uh, version of Han Solo um, in a in an emotional stupor after being essentially crowned a, a rebel prince, a hero for the uh, for the resistance. Um, he he's lost sort of who he is, and he winds up drunk in light speed, and he crash lands on Bespin, and Lando uh, helps him out and tries to get him. A, sober, and B, to come to terms with his emotions for Leia because he can't really be a swashbuckling rogue about the galaxy any longer. He has to be a hero and, and really look at the change in the world, what's happening in his universe and how, how much that affects his life. And, you know, it's, it's sort of the inner struggle that we don't ever get to see of Han deciding, yeah, I'm going to be a hero. Um, and we borrowed a lot of plot devices and comedy from Shakespeare, we take like a heavy influence from Shakespearean stuff, like which is what when I initially watched the original trilogy as a child, really uh, it, what enamored me about the movies is also what enamored what, what I was enamored in, in in all the Shakespeare plays that I've done as an actor um, is the characters and not so much the Campbell of it, but how the plot works and treats everybody's fortunes fool is really uh, big for me. So. It's been great to draw from the roots of storytelling to really do like a Hong Kong parody of everything that I grew up with and what my brother grew up with, who's playing Han. Um, and we created some new characters to be silly and fun. And, you know, it's it's a lot about celebrating how much we love the Star Wars universe by poking fun at the stuff that is actually real, you know? <laughs> All right, so you're, you're obviously a performer. How do you sit around one day and come up with the idea, let's make a musical parody about Han Solo? You know, I I wish I could say that I was it was like a wholly original idea, but I've just had friends over the years do musical parodies of 
movies and characters that they've loved, um, and they they talk about it like it was the like really big moment in, in all of their lives and in their careers. And like Star Kid, like I when I was in high school, I saw a Harry Potter musical on YouTube, which is a, a parody musical of the Harry Potter movies, and um, they did a, they did a couple of them, and they did also original musicals. Um, but through the years, they've just been doing parody musicals on characters and movies and, you know, uh, uh, stuff that is in the media that is sort of ingrained in who, I mean, who I was as a child and who I am as I enjoy entertainment today. So it felt like I wanted to get in on that. I wanted to parody stuff that I like because it's, you know, you get to be a part of it. You get to use the characters um, to, to have a good time and... You know, also enter, like entertain yourself while you're entertaining everybody else. It gives an audience something to latch on to. Now, how long did it how long did it take you to actually create the story for this this uh, performance? It took us about well, we came up with the idea a year ago, and we really thought you know Han Solo as this Falstaffian character um, like shows up in Cloud City and something akin to Mary Wives of Windsor happens to him. That was like the, the initial idea. And then it became something similar, but very, ultimately very, very different. Um, and questioning his, his heroism, which is, uh, you know, more, more about what the Star Wars universe is about. And that took like five months to get right. So I'm trying to think of when we had the first, I guess we had it three months ago. It took like eight months to, to get it all together, music and all. Now, I, I see that you co-wrote, or I guess, not really co-wrote, but you actually helped write the lyrics for some of the songs. What was that process like? Yeah, I, I did co-write the music okay. and, um, and, and the lyrics with Huey Stonefish. Uh, Huey and I are in a band together out here, um, and he's uh, he's been a, a music director for a couple different musicals and parody musicals around Los Angeles. So it was, it, once we got the script, it was really easy for us to sit down and finish the songs. I think the song process itself, to write it, took a matter of weeks, but to produce the tracks took longer. Um, and it's been, a, it's been a dream. He's both my brother and Huey, Jordan and Huey, are both incredible artists who, you know, have gone to school for the performing arts and have uh, themselves built in insane careers um, already just doing independent art in their in their own lives, it's been uh, really cool to work with them and see how they how they do it because it's been a, a newer process for me. Now, uh, with with this being a musical parody of Star Wars, what was what was it like getting everybody together for the first time and reading it together? Was it were people just cracking up laughing, or what was that? It was a blast. Like? It was an absolute blast. Um, the show is told through the frame of two guys reading a fan fiction novel called <laughs> Solo Must Die. Okay. So throughout the show, we're always, there's always interjections and narrations from these two dudes reading the book on the side of the stage. Um, so it feels really true to how we all, how we all would, would do it if we were like, if we got to make our own Star Wars story, how could we, infuse comedy in it and make it so it's it's something that everybody's laughing at as well as 
they can feel something. You know, I, I, I'm proud that we can evoke a little bit of emotion, even though it is essentially clowning. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, but <laughs> there is emotion in it. Awesome. Now you, you're obviously a, a Star Wars fan. Um, when did you feel that? When, when did when did you discover that Star Wars was your passion? That this was the the ultimate fandom of yours? Because because I'm assuming you are the ultimate Star Wars fan. You know, or at least you feel that you are. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I'm the ultimate. I definitely feel very deeply connected to Star Wars, um, and I think it's true for most people in my generation actually, because we we were the first children marketed to after the initial trilogy because I was in fifth grade when episode one came out. Mm -hmm. um, so I remember truly the hype of being excited to see these new characters and the excitement of like, our parents buying the VHS, showing us the original trilogy. I mean, I watched the Leonard Maltin talks about it before and after on the VHS tapes. Like I, I recall growing up with Star Wars, which makes me, it's almost like, it's almost like, uh, Barney or Sesame Street, like Star Wars was right after that where it was a phase in my life where I had all the toys. My brother still has so many toys, um, Star Wars toys. So it's, it feels like it's been a long time coming. I, I'm a fan of a lot of different things. Um, and I think that's also evident in this musical because there's so many Star Wars characters, but there's also things from the media when Star Wars was big in the show. Um, like Adam Duritz makes <laughs> makes a, a cameo in our show who's the lead singer of The Counting Crows. Oh, awesome. Um, uh, so, somebody plays him. He, he doesn't actually come. We don't actually have oh. him. Somebody <laughs> plays him. Um, <laughs> um, and so, so the level of comedy in, in the show is definitely zany and, and out there, but the fandom of the show is... You know, there's a lot of questions about Han Solo, and there's a lot of things that, you know, when I grew up in in high school, when I was coming up in high school, the, the big question on Facebook and online was who shot first. Like, that made a huge digital thing uh -huh. in my world. And that's a whole thing in our show, is who shot first, Greedo or Han. And we're trying to take please, it back to... Please tell me that's a song. <laughs> there are many action moments. That's what I can tell you. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of songs for a lot of other things. <laughs> That's funny. Um, um, with with you being a uh, making this uh, play about Han Solo, how how do you feel about the new Solo movie coming out? Is this something that you're excited about seeing? Finally, starting to see some of the origins of a character that you obviously like. Yeah, well, it was it was called the unti the untitled Han Solo movie for so long, um, and we when we came up with this show, Solo Must Die, the name of the show was just Solo. It, was, it wasn't called Solo Must Die. And then they, they had this unveiling video where Ron Howard flips this poster and it says, Solo, a Star Wars story. And Jordan and I were watching the video together. We we're like, are you kidding me? We have to change our parody because they took the parody's name. That's funny. Um, but other than that, it ha there hasn't been any negativity. You know, Disney, when they, when they got, when they started making the movies through Disney, it was a rebirth. So I... I always took the the level of magnifying glass mm -hmm. that I would take to like the the prequel trilogy that came out when I was when I was alive. Um, <laughs> comparing that to the original trilogy, 
comparing the new stuff to the original trilogy, I just try to be different because I know that they're trying to make it for a new generation. Yeah, and for and for kids, they they want a four year old to be able to see the movie and and enjoy it and not be terrified, um, which I, I I don't I don't think is wrong because I was young when I experienced Star Wars, but I also I can understand why people are a little bit frustrated because there's there's like some really violent stuff, but there's also not a lot of other adult stuff in there, you know. So uh, with the Last Jedi, what side of the fence are you on? <laughs> I'm I'm like I'm like I knew you were going to ask me this question. Um, <laughs> can I just say I thought this was going to be the very first question, uh, and I've been dreading it because I'm on the fence. I it's like I love so much about the movie because I love when art takes a risk, uh-huh. and I like when you're expecting something and the art is subversive all of a sudden and you don't realize that this is what it's going to be. Like that happened a couple times during the movie for me. So much, I had to watch it four times to like make an opinion. And my opinion is still so liquid because I'm thinking about it. So when I think about it, it makes me really go. I think it was a good movie because I keep thinking about it, you know? Well, did you but, walk out of the cinema the first time you watched it and were just kind of like, you don't know how to process your feelings. Cause that's how I was. I was like, I don't know how to process this movie. I walked out needing a cigarette. <laughs> I, my, my initial, my, my gut reaction, Daniel, was <laughs> how could they do that to Luke? And, like, why was that how Luke was? Like, my biggest thing was why is Luke, why was Luke treated like this? And I come to terms with it. I think it's because time's supposed to make you unrecognizable even to yourself and i think to handle time like that with luke skywalker as a theme time as a theme um it it adds more to his character that is like so heavy that it's not specific so they don't have to do as much work but it's still a strong choice so it leaves me wanting because it's such a strong choice because it's like time aged him and made him like this. But like, I miss his hope. I miss the, the want. <laughs> I miss the drive. I miss, I miss him not being grizzled. And like, I'm also going to miss him in the next movie. Like, I, w- I want him to be around because he's, he's sort of like the key. Don't you think? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I think so, because I actually grew up with Luke Skywalker, so just to, yeah. s- to see it in like that, I was like, eh, but, you know, he might be back for the next movie, you know, I think that's why they teased Yoda the way they did, showing him interact with, with the physical world, I, 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 I'm I hoping that we see something with Luke, I, I can't say that's going to be a theory anymore, because I think theories have totally been blown out of the water, <laughs> no one's theory was right on this movie, so. Yeah, and I think that's also the, a positive where I think about it and I go, the X factor to this movie is that absolutely nobody saw it coming. It blew away everybody's expectations. I mean, what they were yeah. expecting to happen did not happen and that was what was so great about it, I thought. And Kylo's my favorite character all of a sudden. Like, it, I, it, I didn't think that was going to happen but he's the one who at least has the most stuff to think about and say, you know? And see, I liked Kylo in The Force Awakens. I was like, he's going to be an awesome villain. <laughs> but is he is he specifically the villain? I think they are setting him up to be the villain um, with them destroying Snook the way they did. Yeah, 
I feel you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's like it's like they could. That's that's why I think it was so successfully done because they could make it about a million things. They could make it about a a, a final grasp for power struggle with Kylo killing Snoke, and then have this story be well. When you have power, what if you become a good guy, and then he can throw it all? I mean, like I've seen some crazy stuff in this movie. I I could see a character stopping himself in the tracks and changing his mind happening in the next movie and just having a plot moment be he changed his mind, you know? <laughs> like, it it doesn't seem far-fetched because they're trying to tell visually cool stories, but I, I, I don't know. Emotionally, I was... I wasn't played with as much as I, I hoped I'd be. But then I know it's for kids, you know? It's, like, also for kids. Yeah, that's true. I mean... It- Especially now that Disney owns it. Um, yeah. Since I'm on the subject of Disney, has has Disney caught wind of this show? And have they said anything to you? Or are they cool with this? Or um, they, ha- I haven't gotten a call from them. <laughs> um, my my understanding is that I'm protected under parody law. Mm-hmm. I love Star Wars. I'm not trying to take them down at all. I think like I love what they're doing. I love the fact that they're making more movies. Star Wars has been, like, a part of the fabric of everything that, like, is entertainment for so long, and the fact that they're re-upping it is just, you know, they're they're around. So I, I hope if they do come after me, they go they go easy, because I'm a fan, and yeah. everybody in the cast are Star Wars fans, and we're not... I think you're okay. I mean, Disney has been pretty cool with, with a lot of the people doing stuff with Star Wars. Uh, I think they just like the fact that they're getting the name out there still. So Yeah, I mean... He, de- he does not die in our show. He died in your movie. But <laughs> I mean, he, he better not die in our show. He better not die in your show. That'd be kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's funny. One of our the quotes from our show is, this is a story about classic Han Solo, pit stains, pre-carbonite. And that's, that's I wish we could put that on every poster. Han Solo with pit stains, pre-carbonite. That's so awesome. It's the, it's the prime cut Solo that we all deserve, I think. And I and honestly, I believe in this Aaron Reich guy. I think he's a really talented actor. And I, from what I've seen of all of the trailers, looks like Donald Glover's going to walk away with it. But I like what he's doing with it. What do you think about it? Oh, I think Donald Glover's going to be freaking amazing. Um, I'm, I'm super excited. Lando is actually one of my favorite characters from the Star Wars universe. So when I heard that uh, Donald Glover was going to be playing him, I was just super ecstatic because uh, I know that guy can that guy can pull it off, and he looks like he's, he's he's going to pull it off just by some of the trailers I've seen. So I'm stoked. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be great. Well, how can we find out more about the show? Um, What's the cost and when is it running? Well, the cost varies on a lot of different platforms. Uh, I think there's, so I'll, I'll give you all the links for general ticket information. You go to plays411.com backslash Han Solo for general information about the play and all of our other like offers because we'll be running offers for discounted tickets ticket giveaways and a bunch of other stuff um that is all going to be available at the solo must die instagram which is at solo must die and also solo must die.com um we're on facebook also solo must die with videos for all those updates and stuff but ticket prices general admission is 30 bucks we have vip tickets at 40, which gives you like a gift and also designated seating at the backstage theater because there's a reserve section where you can see everything a lot better, sort of like a 
concert venue. Um, and then there's also a bunch of other ticketing agencies online that have it, I think, at other varying prices that my friends were telling me about. I don't know all the names, but if you Google us, you'll find you can, you'll probably be able to find some deals. Well, awesome. Well, Ari, yeah. I, I appreciate you coming on to the show and talking to me a little bit about the show. We definitely look forward to seeing it. Thanks for having me. I, I hope I didn't babble too much about the Star Wars universe. When I start talking about this stuff, when I talk about, like, Joseph Campbell, because I, like, write so much, it, I, I feel like I'm I'm in, like, a lecture about storytelling, so I hope I'm understandable and I didn't just sound like a blathering idiot. Oh, no, no. You're you're perfect, man. I, I really appreciate it. I love talking about Star Wars, too. I mean, I can sit here and talk for hours. Awesome, man. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Ari. Thanks so much, Daniel. Take it easy. To find out more about the show, head over to solomustdie.com. There you'll find information about tickets, the show, what the show's all about, and any other information that you think about. Again, that website address is solomustdie. Now, let's talk about some Star Wars. So, Stacy. Yes. We, we kind of, the reason why I brought this up is because you and I actually got into a little message battle, a little back and forth a couple days ago, <laughs> about, about our feelings on The Last Jedi. So, I would like yes. to kind of maybe start us off by introducing the rest of the audience and getting Marcus caught on what that conversation was all about. Yeah. So basically we, you and I were talking, uh, I, I had this epiphany. I've been mulling it over since the last Jedi came out on DVD, Blu-ray and digital or wherever else you can get it. And I actually haven't purchased it yet, but I was considering buying it. And in doing so, I just started to think about, all of these videos, all of the the love and the hate, the movie that it has received, I knew that when even when I walked out of the theater that I had to fight my initial reaction to dislike it for reasons that were completely unjustified. Um, you know, because I think a lot of people hated it because it wasn't what they thought Star Wars should be, you know. And what, by a lot of people, I mean like the diehard Star Wars fans that grew up with the franchise. And so over the last few months, I've been able to think about the movie and, and I've, I've, I've con given it considerable thought. And so I had this epiphany and I shot you a message that said, I think that The Last Jedi has officially killed Star Wars in, for the original trilogy fans. And what I meant by that is it's not that it ruined it. It's not that it has uh you know has i uh, defiled the the franchise or, or you know or or uh actually done anything that's necessarily negative i didn't want to take that as a negative it's just that it killed it for what star wars was for the the original trilogy fans star wars is officially it officially died in episode 8 rest in peace R.I.P. <laughs> yeah. And I have reasons, and, and those were some that we talked about, but that was kind of where I started it, is I thought that it had uh, it had died. And you, you didn't you didn't necessarily agree. I did not. I actually, I actually went a step further. I, I agree that Episode 8 had some sort of influence on the death of Star Wars for the older fans, but I actually feel that this actually started way back in 97 when George Lucas decided to alter his masterpieces and right. come out with special editions. I, I felt that ever since the first alteration happened to the Star Wars franchise, 
fans have been in just been in disgust with George Lucas and the whole franchise in general, and it just finally came to a head in Episode Eight. This is death by a thousand cuts, though. You know, it's it's you've had, and I, Marcus may I don't know how if you agree or not, but I feel like since they since he started tinkering with it with the original the original trilogy changes and special editions and all of this, it was slowly taking away again. And it's, it's not there, you know, that's, that's not necessarily what this particular episode is about is whether or not the fans own part of the movie or, you know, or, or if some of that is ours as well, or if it's just the artists or whatever. The only, I mean, the bottom line is, is he changed it forever because there wasn't in, there is no other version now. You can't get the original. I have original tapes that won't play on a VCR anymore. Um, but I have them. I have the three original tapes, the original cuts, the, the you know the that do not have any of the special edition stuff in them. And uh, even though they, I mean it's it's more of a trophy now, but just the idea that yes, I agree with you that it began to die. Then I think the coup de gras though was in eight. Well, one of the main reasons why I really was excited about Marcus joining on is because Marcus actually has about a 10-year gap from us. He actually kind of, <laughs> he actually kind of grew up in the generation of the prequels. I mean... I did, know. I did. So the prequels was actually his trilogy, and the original trilogy was actually just some old man's trilogy from made back in the day. To be fair, I had seen those before. The, <laughs> so the, I kind of wanted to get... Episodes one- yeah, I wanted to get your take on all of this, Marcus. I mean, what do you feel? Do you feel that the fans? I, I don't want to say be, I don't want to say have been betrayed by the franchise. Do, do you feel that they have a right to feel kind of jaded about the direction that it's going? Um. Well. Okay. So, I think honestly that there is a little bit of fault on both sides from both producers and from the fans. Um, I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and start off by saying I actually enjoyed the movie. There are things about it that I did not like, but I, overall, I definitely, like I walked out of that theater and I mean, I honestly, I would probably rewatch that movie over and over again, just for the scene where Ray and Kylo fight the red guards. Agreed. That is, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. Interesting. the Knights was of, like, the Knights of Ren was a. I mean, not, yeah. that's not even the Knights of Ren. That those are the, uh, the Praetorian guards, guards, right? The Praetorian guards. Yeah. Uh, the Petronium, yeah. Like that, Patronus. That, I lost my mind when that when they saw. I was like, "Oh snap! I've never seen these guys fight before." Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. There, I mean, there's things like that that really sell the movie as a good movie to me. Um, there, I think, um, as far as my own. Um, perspective of why a lot of people don't like it is that, I mean, Star Wars has been around for a long time, right? And people have rewatched and rewatched and maybe even watched, they've maybe even had more hours of watching time than there have been in hours of production to make the movie itself. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, so, like, whenever we get to that level of, like, you know, fandom i think people start to just have this uh they start to generate the the idea in their head that it belongs to them and so whenever we come up with our own type of theories and stuff of what could happen or even what should happen and when we're wrong 
it definitely it, it makes us angry, at least as an audience, as a whole, even. So, I mean, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. I think, though, when I stated that there's faults on both sides, I definitely think that they could have at least conceded on some of our theories <laughs> rather than just throwing every single one out. I kind of felt like, you know, like take Ray's parents, for example. I feel like they could have done something with that rather well, than... Well, I don't know that they won't. Right. And that's true. There's um, still hope. <laughs> yeah, I have a whole theory on that. A new hope, even. There's a new hope, even. So, I mean, like, so, yeah, I, I mean, I just kind of felt like there were some things that were just like a slap in the face that, you know, people justifiably are angry about. The big slap to the face yeah. to me was Kylo Ren breaking up his beautiful mask. I mean... I got so <sighs> attached to that thing in the first movie, and then he just destroys it in the first, not even 10 minutes He looks of the so movie. much better with it on. <laughs> oh, he did look cool, but what, one of the, I did like, I like the fact that they turned that particular trope on its head, that you don't, that you've got somebody who's not really deformed or anything like that, that was wearing it really because he was trying to be something that he wasn't. Because he's a group. And, and, well, yeah, <laughs> essentially, yeah, and he wanted to be, he wanted to, to seem in a and thought that that gave him some sort of power or gave him the the impression or others the impression of power when in, when everybody else was really just kind of like that's you know that's lame you know even <laughs> even uh, uh, General Hux is you know not impressed at all even if it's because he's partially retarded or whatever I mean he's just not smart enough to figure out <laughs> that. Kylo could kill him at any point, which in in you know the Last Jedi he demonstrates that readily, that at any point he could kill Hux, and so Hux, eventually, uh, I guess comes to his senses and shows that he's not quite as stupid as he, <laughs> or arrogant, uh, yeah. and and uh, kind of starts to fall in line you know now with, with Kylo. But why I think that this is the coup de gras and I, and I, I agree with what Marcus says that the, you know, and Matt Pat did a really good video on this as well about fandoms actually kind of killing some of these franchises in a way, at least with our expectations, because yeah, we do feel like we own part of this because we've had 41 years to be exact <laughs> of, of star Wars and, uh, and, and of, of, you know of the expanded universe and legends and and all of the books and comic books and toys and 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 cartoons and movies and and this 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 entire you know expanded universe that that has that spans all of these different mediums and and you've been able to we've been able as fans to tie all this stuff together and and you get a sense of who these characters are and what they would do in certain situations. It's almost like you could predict it. And, but that doesn't take away from the fact that we would still want to see it. You know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, we knew that transformers was pretty shallow cartoon. I still wanted to, this. I still <laughs> wanted, I, I did it just for you. Hey, well, let's, let's take GI Joe. You know, that's another one, one of my favorites, uh, it, but it, it's a relatively shallow show, but I mean, you, I still wanted to see Storm Shadow and, and Snake Eyes on the screen, you know, so with, with, with Star Wars, though, you have these fleshed out characters and you have the, that, that have so much lore and backstories and you know who they are. And when they don't seem to act the way that you feel like they would or they don't 
they don't they're not portrayed on screen with the you know to fulfill the expectations that we had there is that level of disappointment and i think it takes us a particular type of fan and i'd say that all three of us at least to a degree are have this appreciation where i was able to i, I like the movie too i enjoyed it uh I, i'm a fan i i will watch it I've, i have seen it in the theater multiple times <laughs> and uh and you know and and even though i i still feel that the this this particular movie gave the coup de gras to the original trilogy um i i still enjoyed it for what it was uh i think that now star wars fans actually have the same particular gripe that uh star trek fans have and that is that star trek jj abrams kind of took star trek and made it more star wars um and took he, i don't think he necessarily ruined star trek but he did kind of kill it for what star trek was <laughs> and anybody who's a star trek fan knows it was based in science fiction it you know it had it was it was the real version of of star wars i mean there's even the old you know gene roddenberry or the old the old captain kirk uh episodes would have they would have them in in the lifts you know their their uh version of the elevators and even in the next generation if you go back and you watch which i don't know that anybody will but if you did take my word for it <laughs> that if you're if they if you go back and watch they are in the lifts for the amount of time necessary for them to get from one point of the ship to the other in oh, yeah. real time yeah so it's like it's like if if they had to go From the engine if room they to had the to, bridge, yeah, it and it, it was it, and it was uh, you know a certain number of meters to that place, um, that it would take them the real minutes. time. <laughs> yeah, and and so they'd have to talk about it. That we got to do. Um, sorry, my daughter's long been. drawn out conversations like, "So, Dada, what's going on with your cat today?" Oh, nothing. But uh, but I but I think that's cool. <laughs> and even though you get the expository dialogue and stuff like that. They kept it real, and even if that's just one of the things they kept real, uh, it was there were a number of things like that. Well, that was all thrown out the window for the type of movie that you know is is much less based in that realism and much more you know with the dramatic and the action and the lens flare. So, um, you know, with with Star Wars, I think now with Luke being kind of the final. That was our that was our last, you know, the the kind of the the last straw, um, our last kind of leg, our last our last connection to that old universe. And spoiler alert: when he dies, what? <laughs> um, when he when he dies, uh, he it it uh, and he he wasn't the character that we all had. Anybody who had read the expanded universe books. He wasn't the character that he was in those books. See, right there. You know. So, I'm glad you brought this up. You, uh, <laughs> this was one of Good. the things. This was this was one of the things that we talked about. Was yeah, our expectations going into the film. We were ready to see this badass lightsaber tossing, twirling Jedi master that was going to be wearing complete black and like kick everybody's ass and destroy the first <laughs> order with just a blink of the eye. 
and we didn't get any of that. And I, 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 my comment to that to you was because Disney started going the route of what's canon. So I went into the movie going, all right, I'm ready to see this Luke Skywalker. But then I realized after walking out and after Marcus, you didn't hear our last podcast. You weren't part of the, the review that we did about the last Jedi, but I said that I walked out of the last Jedi, not knowing how to process my feelings. I walked right, out and that going. felt very similar. I, I did not know what to think about Luke Skywalker, what to think about Leia flying through the space, um, <laughs> you know, different things like that. My, my, my problem was I felt that Luke Skywalker's character was completely out of character with the whole fact that he was like, we must kill Ben. Because throughout the whole original trilogy, he was able to have the hope that he could save his father and that he was able to turn his father back from the dark side. That was that was his deal in Return of the Jedi. I'm not going to fight my father. I'm not going to kill him. I'm going to turn him back to the light side because there's still good in him. But in this movie, he's like, we have this 20-something-year-old Darth Vader groupie wannabe, and he's like, nope, we got to kill him. Can't save him. There's nothing we could do. <laughs> and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense because in the original trilogy, he was like all about saving his father who slaughtered younglings and here we are, we got this 20-year-old freaking kid that you're just like, no, we can't, there's nothing we can do, we gotta kill him. That's the only thing we can do. And I'm like, he's completely out of character. But then I finally took a step back and I realized, Disney said, the only thing that's canon is what's on film, what's been on film, and basically what's being produced now in comic books and, and the new books that are coming out. And I started to realize, there's nothing about Luke Skywalker, except for like the, Mar the new Marvel series or whatever that's out, but there's nothing that's telling us anything more about the character of Luke Skywalker than what we know from the original trilogy. So we really don't know anything about this guy. So I started to realize in episode eight, was he truly out of character? Because we know nothing about him except for what we saw in the first three movies. I mean, I can give you my perspective. <laughs> because so, uh, uh, literally, I, I mean, I'm only, I've only seen the films. I'm not, a, I'm not a giant Star Wars fan that I've like read books and comics and, you know, have delved into extended universe. Um, but it, I, I guess, you know, from my perspective, it was just, he just became sort of like, uh, <laughs> in, uh, in a crappy way to describe just a bitter old man. And yeah. he, he just, you know, kind of got tired of, of uh, just I guess sort of the the way things were happening and what was funny um, was my thought before I saw the movie was that he was going to try to just do this whole balance thing and that way there could never be another Jedi and there could never be you know another dark side mm -hmm. and um, I thought Ray was going to be the first person to wield a white lightsaber on screen right. That was what I thought was going to happen. <clears throat> because technically now the first person to wield one, it's does anybody Ahsoka. know? Yeah, it's Ahsoka. And, uh, but I don't think that she's, she did wield it on screen. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean like in a cinematic, sorry. But. Right, but I'm saying she did it in the book first and then she did it on screen after that. But mm. both of those are canon. But yeah, anyway, I agree with you. I, uh, but keep going. I, I I totally thought the same thing. So no, yeah, and so uh, that, that's just kind of where where I, I mean, as far as my perspective on Luke, it was just things progressed that way, 
Um, and I just kind of had to assume that so much time had passed between episode six and episode seven where, you know, he just kind of became an old guy and he was tired of messing up every evening. He kind of just like was tired of carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. And so he just became that kind of like, you know what? No, we're, we're just going to do the easy way. I'm just going to go die. <laughs> Yeah, and and he, but he was he was bitter, but I think what bothered most fans, if you were able to like put it in a bottle, it or ca- encapsulate it, I think it was that Ryan Johnson even said it himself. He he, any time that they thought of a direction that would be quote like the Star Wars direction, like this is how things would happen before. They they went in a different direction almost to spite it, and 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 sometimes he would and you could kind of tell that you know it was like all of the tropes that you would you know outside of I've got a bad feeling about this or other things like that that they have said you know in in all of the movies they would just go in a different direction almost on purpose and and so it was kind of the antithesis of episode seven in that. Episode seven was hitting all the major beats to be similar enough for nostalgia, but be different enough to kind of reintroduce these fans and not just be the exact same thing, a complete retread of everything. There was enough similarities, but it was definitely something different and and its own thing starting. It had to be that way, you know, so that you could kick it off and, and get the story rolling in a particular direction. But when you have Luke, I, I, I almost, guarantee that you would not have the amount of backlash that you have if you had Luke do one one thing more than he did because I don't think people really understand how powerful Luke was even after the movie was over like I, I, I don't think that they're taking into account exactly what Luke did and how how powerful you had to be in the force to be able to do it you know something that would have been a lot easier to see was him push over a bunch of ATATs, you know? That would have been that would have been enough. You know, that would have been I think that would have been enough for fans. But what he actually did was pretty incredible. You know, the fact that he force projected himself and they showed a map kind of where his planet was and where the planet was that he projected himself to. And it is like it's light years away across the galaxy. And, you know, and, 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 you know, I guess it was enough to kill you. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, anyway, I, I think that's really what it was is we had, we, we have one character that, that speaks, uh, Wookie. And then the other one, uh, who, you know, so you're not really getting, I know how Chewie acts, but I mean, that's really all we have left as a tether you know, to the original trilogy. Um, C-3PO, R2-D2, they're kind of minor characters. Now you got BB-8 and, and the other characters. And and without Luke as being kind of your anchor and the farm boy and the one that kind of started it all, um, and he didn't even really act the way that you thought he might, I think that that is where the official point at which it all died. May it well, I peace. mean... <laughs> all right, all right, P. All right, P. I rest so, my case. 
So do y'all think uh, do y'all think that Star Wars is headed? Oh, I mean, okay, so pretty much it is headed in a direction where it sort of appeals to um, like a new Star Wars fan. Do you think? Um, do you think it's doing a good job of that? Not like let let's just take apart like or let's step aside from like the whole what things were and what disgruntled grumpy grumpy old man. Yeah, so, I mean, Star Wars, well, how would you rate it if, if if you were, you know, just coming into it? What do you think, Daniel? I think it's a fantastic franchise. I mean, I think Disney, I think with... Fanboy. I am a fanboy, <laughs> but, you know, you got to take back and look and see what Disney's doing. Disney has built... I hate to use the word empire, but it, that's what it is. They, they, they. The best, best choice of words, really. They, they built empire. this. They reconstructed this Star Wars empire by, you know, coming out with all this multimedia. They have a television show. They're getting ready to come out with a live action show. They, they have these movies. They have uh, side movies. Hey, the Mandalorians are, are in the solo movie too. Yeah, I mean, we might actually see Boba Shout Fett out. in the solo movie. Just throw that out there. Well, there are. I mean, there there is a Mandalorian sighted. I don't think it's Boba Fett, but there is a Mandalorian sighted in in the solo movie. So, so you know, Disney Disney's building the franchise, and I think anybody that's coming into the franchise now has so much thrown at them that they can consume anything and love any part of Star Wars. You know, yeah, you can hate the movies but love the cartoon. Um, yeah, you can hate the cartoons, but love the comic books and the 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 other things. I mean, there's just so much media in Star Wars that, yeah, I think I think this is a fantastic time for fans to step in, and I, I think Disney's doing a great job of making Star Wars fresh and new. Um, yeah. Sadly for us grumpy old men, we don't want to see change, <laughs> you know. And I think that's yeah. the, I think that kind of sucks because you can't. A, a show or a movie or something can't grow into something else without change. So we, we as fans, have to accept that these things are going to change, whether we like it or not, in order for it to continue living. If we want it to live forever, last forever, it has to evolve into something new. It's I true. Agree. I mean, it does. It does. And and I think, to add to your point, originally the the trilogy. All we had was, we didn't even know what the first movie was going to be. I mean, I was zero years old when it came out. And, yeah, I know. Uh, but, <laughs> but I did actually, I was old enough to see Return of the Jedi in the theater. And even though it was terrifying and the Rancor was terrifying, but uh, I did get to see it in the theater. And, and it was something that made a huge, left a huge impression on me. And then we had that, that long period of time when there was nothing. And we Except just got to kind of books. well, really, and that was the case. <laughs> it was like, and we got to start to build this world with it, and and I think if you're being completely objective, really, two things here: one, Disney, you know, you, for you could say whatever you want about the company and everything else uh, that they that they do and the empire that they are, and maybe they're the bad guy for just being such a powerful uh, entity, but they have hit it out of the park with everything that they've done with Marvel. They've nailed every casting choice, their choices in terms of directors and, and the direction in those movies. I mean, I don't think you can argue 
that they're not doing an incredible job. And I feel like they they have earned the the trust in with Star Wars as well. I think they're putting people in charge of these movies that love the franchises that have the best interest in mind for the characters and if you're really objective it is the best time to be alive as a star wars fan yeah because you're gonna get a star wars movie from every year to day but not just a star wars movie i don't think it's not just a star wars movie. you're gonna get a a a good production well casted well directed you know well funded movie you know that was thought out by a think tank of the best minds in the business putting together the best possible story i don't know if it's because they love the fans or they love to bathe in money like scrooge mcduck or some (laughs) some combination of both but uh they, they you know it's i i think it's in good hands and i'm i am excited because the cartoons have been incredible um, if anybody who's a fan of Star Wars, you need to check out the Clone Wars. You need to check out uh, Star Wars Rebels. They they are just done super well. Star Wars and, Rebels was amazing, and it it really was. And and to to build on the universe in in the way that they have, and to add so much more depth to the characters, and then to take the baton and start to create these new movies. I mean, I'm even excited for solo even the first trailer and all of the media and everything that's been surrounding it has been not as positive uh i'm actually really excited for it i i think the guy that's playing solo is gonna be fine i can't wait to so. follow up with lando again yeah <laughs> yeah so i'm excited it's a good time to be a star wars fan. i don't know marcus throwing this question right back at you what do you think <laughs> um, you just heard two grumpy old men. <laughs> <laughs> I I think so. I I guess sort of coming from like, let's say you know the first Star Wars film you saw was Episode Seven, right? So you've had we've got seven and eight, and we also have the film between uh, what was what was it called again? Rogue One. Yeah, we had Rogue One that came out too. Um, I mean, yeah, I definitely agree with both of you that um, we have probably some of the best people working on this content. Like, it, it's it's really great. Um, and I, I guess, well, okay, so it's kind of funny because I've uh, I've heard from some of these young teenagers, and uh, <laughs> and uh, actually, some of them some of them don't like it. So. Um, I don't know. I think sort of, um, I guess not liking movies nowadays is almost become its own sort of culture. If that makes any sense. Um, I guess people can come in before, like they come into a movie with a predisposition that like, Oh, everybody doesn't like this. So I get to come in here, watch it and be one of the people who say they don't like it either. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like Sheeple. that that happens more than not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, I, I I feel like people don't develop their own opinion of of what's available nowadays. Well, I mean, there yeah. there definitely are there are definitely are people who do that, but there's I just I feel like 
films become victim to that kind of thing. Um, Absolutely. And especially in this day and age with social media and YouTube and everything yeah. else. Podcasts. A good example of that, that what you're saying is, Marcus, is uh, take a look at, what was it, 2015's Ghostbusters? Was yeah. 16? Yeah, I think that was 15. 16. Um, that movie didn't never had a fair shake. And, you know, if you actually sat down and watched it, it's not that bad of a movie. It's actually yeah. pretty ah. easy. It, oh, Jason, you know it's a decent movie. That, yeah, okay, that. decent is so relative. <laughs> okay, okay, on a scale of zero to the first Ghostbusters, where does it fall? The second Ghostbusters. No, not even close. <laughs> it's not even close. It is. It, it let's see. The this new Ghostbusters is on par with Hot Shots Part Two. Hey, that was or, a fantastic movie. Actually, that's probably too good of a movie to compare it to. Um, I, mean, like, so, I mean, even with that, you know, it became the trailer that had, or that trailer came out to have the most dislikes. Was it on a single video ever on YouTube? Yeah, I think it yeah. was the worst. So worst how many of those trailer? dislikes were genuine dislikes? And how many of them were like, I want to be part of this whole. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I guess that's kind of where I'm coming from with part, the partial. Uh, par- partially describing some of the the backlash toward the movie, and then, um, I mean, I guess if, if you're coming into it, I think that the the movies are very well produced. Um, there's you know there's great scenes like that awesome fight scene um, with those red guards. Uh, oh, I thought but, you were talking about in Ghostbusters. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, but uh, you know it just. There are some things that, like, why would you bring up Ray's parents if it's going to turn out to mean nothing? I could see why people are getting angry. <laughs> I, I, th- I think that that problem there, that specific problem, is the fact we're going from one director starting the franchise and moving it and allowing, allowing a different person to write their own script, their own movie for the second movie. I don't, I don't think they... I don't know. I just don't think there was someone there going... Here is a story for all three movies. I don't think they actually sat down and did that. I think they even admitted to that, didn't they, Stacey? I would really hope that they did, at least. But I mean, I think they had the general outline, but I don't think they had the whole... This is every detail for all three movies. Write your story to fit those details, you know? Um, so they, they're, given the, they're given the creative decisions to the directors and the writers for that particular film. Yeah, here's the outline. They got... We need to get from point A to point B throughout three movies, what you do in between is up to you all. And I, yeah. I think that's what they're doing with this trilogy. And I think that's probably thought. what has a lot of fans upset is because there doesn't seem to be this this uh, single... Consistency? Yeah, consistency in the, between the three films or what's going to be the three films. Stacy, what about you? What are your thoughts? Alright, that's what I thought, man. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I stunned him to silence. I never thought I would hear him be silent. Um, so yeah, I mean that's just that's just my my thought on that. Um, what do you think about Mark Hamill going around, basically not really? I, I don't want to say bashing the film, but just kind of talking about his disagreements with the director and the direction that his character went in the film. What, what do you think about that? I think it's dangerous, to be quite honest. I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, 
Uh, I, I definitely, <laughs> I, I'm at ends with it because on one end, I think Mark, Mark Hamill should absolutely have, um, you know, his own opinions and, and, and he should be able to voice them on the other end. If, if he disagrees with something, people are going to write about it in the worst possible way. So they're going to, they're going to reform that to more like Mark Hamill bashes Luke Skywalker's character in the new movie and Mark he hates it, so you should too. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like when he, when he does stuff like that, when, whenever he talks about his, um, negative differences with that, people tend to feed off of it and just make it, it just makes it into so much worse of a problem. I feel like, uh, I'm kind of with you on that as well. I mean, I get that Mark Hamill basically started this whole thing. He's he's one of the main reasons why we fell in love with Star Wars. Um, at least for me. I know you you had Anakin Skywalker. Um, I had Luke. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we, we had Mark Hamill that basically started the franchise for us. So to hear the guy we fell in love with kind of talk not... I don't want to say negatively because he wasn't really talking negatively. He was just talking about some of the disagreements about his character and all that. But to hear right. him make those comments reaffirms our fears that there was an issue on the set and that there was an issue with the film and basically gives credence to everything that, you know, people have been saying online about this movie, that the movie sucks and here's why, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Mark Hamill... Probably should have been his lip and not said anything, because um, I think he added fuel to this this never-ending fire of fans hating on this film. This film, yeah. you know, I thought the prequel trilogy uh, divided fans, <laughs> but this movie, I think there, there has this movie has made two different camps of fans: fans that either really like the direction that the movie's going, or that they really hate it and they just don't even consider part of the series. I mean, that's how <laughs> extreme that it's gotten. And there's a petition. There is a petition, and that's 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 weird too. I mean, do you think? You know, I don't, I don't want to bring up the whole "do we own the film," but do you think partly that the fans have a right to do that? Um. Well, I mean, it, it was kind of like I was explaining earlier. You know, um, it, it, we had this. I say we. There was the same problem with Rick and Morty. <laughs> there was the same problem with Rick and Morty where people, you know, they felt like Rick and Morty was theirs. They owned it, you know, because they, for whatever reason, you know, they, they, they felt like it was theirs. And when the changes came in and, and things started becoming different, it was, was when we started seeing so much backlash, mm -hmm. right? And... So I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's 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 hard to say because honestly, I could probably hear someone's Star Wars story, and it's probably going to be extremely touching about how it probably got them through a difficult time in their life. And I could probably say, yeah, you probably deserve to have ownership <laughs> in this story, in its existence. But at the end of the day, I feel like you know we we just need to take it as it is, and we can choose to like it or not like it um but we're not the we're not the decision makers 
No, I, I think I agree with that wholeheartedly. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Temple of Geek Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Facebook. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter by using the handle Temple of Geek. Do you want to check out some of our episodes or shows? Why don't you head over to templegeek.com? There you'll find all sorts of content that pertains to the world of geek. Thank you for joining us on this episode. For Marcus and Stacy, I've been Daniel, and we'll see you next time. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Temple of Geek. And remember to visit templeofgeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.